Welcome everybody to our latest podcast. It's Monday the 11th of September and I'm joined today by Robert and John. We've had our summer break now and we're intrigued to see what's going to happen in the run-up to Christmas. There are the usual meetings coming up with the Bank of England. Bank of England makes its decision on Thursday the 21st of September and the day before we get the inflation figure. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. We have wage inflation, and I'm sure that all of those out there who drive motorcars, the fossil fuel variety, will have noticed that the price of fuel has gone up. So I think the Bank of England is going to get a bit of a blip in inflation. There's a lot of pressure on the Bank of England not to put interest rates up. I personally think that they're going to have to put interest rates up, maybe not this time, but next time. And the danger is as we know from when they started putting interest rates up, if you aren't proactive, then the danger is is that inflation will run away with itself. John, Robert, what do you all think? Perhaps it's an irony that nobody showed up to the um, wind power auction the other day, and yet oil, crude oil is now over $90 a barrel. As I look at the screen, it's $90.41. This links so many issues that are pretty much at the core of economics, I would argue now. The Bank of England, like all central banks, have been proven to be so utterly incompetent that they don't know what they're doing. And they have allowed the inflationary genie out of the bottle. And the problem with that is that once you've gone there, getting it back in is phenomenally difficult. And that's why... Uh, Rule one of central banking is do not lose control of inflation. So they've now got a massive problem. I would argue all central banks have enabled governments to spend way, way beyond their means. That has unleashed a wave of what I would call structural inflation. It's going to be very difficult to get back under control. And these blips in energy prices, I think, are going to be with us for quite some time. This is one of our major, major topics, but it keeps coming back and it keeps reasserting itself. There has been no incentive, really, for for big oil to go out and find new supplies. So you've got rising energy demand. You've got companies not showing up to wind power auctions. Is it any wonder that the price of oil and gas is rising? To me, it's just a basic tenet of supply and demand. And I think it's going to be a feature of major Western economies now and Eastern ones. There is going to be a self-inflicted energy shortage. And this is what it this is where it ends with expensive oil and gas. What's remarkable is that the Bank of England always seem to be chasing their tails. What's amazing to me is that the Bank of England for, you know, how many times have we discussed this? Months and months and months that all they're doing is reacting to, oh, gosh, inflation's going up, so we've got to put interest rates up again. How can it be painfully obvious to us, but not to them? I think the answer is that they do everything by model and they've never had real jobs, most of them. And that's why they react rather than act proactively to ensure that we never get in this position. I mean, long and the short of it is that without government subsidies, as I see it, wind energy 
is more expensive than fossil fuel energy. I was talking to the local MP and he's involved with a committee which are doing infrastructure for these wind farms, etc. And as I said to him, it has to be inflationary spending all this money on all this new infrastructure because you've got the existing infrastructure in place for all that oil and liquid gas, etc., etc. I just think everywhere you look, there's, there is inflationary pressure. And of course, interest rates going up by themselves is inflationary because your debt becomes more expensive. Not only the government debt, but personal debt, corporate debt, etc., etc. Which comes back to, if you are tasked with hitting an inflation target, you have to take it far more seriously. I mean, we're always having a go at the Bank of England. I don't really think they have been much worse than, than all of them. They've, they've all got it wrong, which is why, whether it's the ECB, whether it's the Fed, I think the Fed have reacted far better once they realise they've made a mistake. I think the Bank of England um, certainly haven't. But they've all made the same errors by believing their own publicity and their own models. They're all staffed, as a general rule, by academic economists, people who've never had to start a business, run a business, make a payroll or do anything like that, which is why they're so detached from reality. But they've now presided over a surge of structural inflation, which I would argue is now bubbling around in the background, call it core inflation if you want, and it's going to be phenomenally difficult to get this under control. I mean, get under control in the sense that you're back to a 2% inflation target. Well, it's going to be very interesting. I think the next few weeks are going to be very critical because if there's a blip in inflation, then there's further pressure for interest rates. I assume to be north of 6% by the beginning of the new year. Yeah, it's a stitch in time stage nine, isn't it? And um, they didn't get that. No, they have all those data points. They have all the forecasts. They have more data points and forecasts than any financial institution. And I think they still appear to get it fundamentally wrong sometimes. Well, absolutely. Which tells you, with all the economists, with all the data points, with all the agents around the country reporting data to them, and they've still got it as wrong as they could do, it tells you that they're wrong and their models are wrong and that they don't know what they're doing. been interesting comments coming out of China. It isn't recovering from COVID as the West thought it was. And there do appear to be all sorts of issues at the moment. I mean, as a business, we have never invested directly in China. What are your thoughts, John, there? Well, there's all sorts of things going on in China at the moment. It's very interesting. But I think it also proves we were right not to get involved in direct investment in China. By all means, invest in companies that sell stuff to China. But we don't want to get involved in boots on the ground type investing there or in funds that do it. Because property rights, who knows what they are. This place is run by the Chinese Communist Party and they make it up as they go along. It's not that long ago they have stopped publishing youth unemployment figures, I noticed, probably five or six weeks ago. It was running at about 20% in major cities and now they've stopped producing that data. The cynic in me tells me that that data is going the wrong way. So in typical communist fashion, we'll just ignore it. I think what you're seeing with China really is it's had 40 years of phenomenal growth 
where it became the workshop of the world. And those days are now over. They still have to find ever more jobs for people coming out of the, of the countryside. And that first flush of, of transformational growth is now over. It's now going to be much more difficult for them. In essence, China decided that they had to turn away from, from communism because it was just impoverishing everybody. Well, unless you're in the party, of course. But they embraced market economics in order to transform their economy. And it worked. But they don't really understand how markets work. And we're now seeing a bit of a clamp down there in terms of all sorts of things and personal freedoms. And unfortunately for China, I think COVID came along just at the at the time where this baton, this growth baton was being passed. And that's the reason why their recovery has been quite sluggish. The future isn't great for China, not, not like it was if you go back a decade or more. You've also got a massive property problem there where you, we, we've had the Evergrande mess. We've got this, the latest one, what is it, Country Garden, where they have got so many undelivered apartments. You've got property falling. They can't really meet their liabilities. They're effectively bust. It's going to be interesting to see what the Chinese state does about that. In reality, so many people invest in property that I don't think they can let this bubble deflate. So that's another problem for them. What is the true state of their banking sector? My guess is that it's terrible. In fact, it's probably worse than terrible. So um, I think, yeah, big growing pains for China. And as often happens when countries have growing pains or have bad economic news, they tend to get a little bit bolshy. And you only have to look at how they behave now in the South China Sea, etc., and with Taiwan. So, yeah, along with Mad Vlad, I think it means that the world becomes a more dangerous place. Yeah, the demographics aren't helping in China either, are they? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the one-child policy, they, they, they've turned away from it, but that's going to be some while before you're going to see some improvement in, in those demographics. And I think I'm right in saying sometime this year, it is expected that India will become the most populous nation. And therefore, we don't plan to buy any direct investments in China. No, no, no. I don't think anything changes there. I'm quite happy with the fact that we've never done it. And I look at the, the landscape today and there is nothing to encourage one to change one's mind. Finally, I just want to touch on some of the experiences we've had of late with regard to the industry which we operate in. This is a forerunner for our next podcast where we'll go into greater depth. I'm hugely disappointed in the fact that we have a new client who is transferring to us from a well-known financial institution. And I'm staggered at how long it has taken that business to recognise that their client has decided they've had enough of gross incompetency very bad performing investments. And when they got the instruction to transfer, we had to chase after three weeks. When you transfer investments, everything goes through a process. And a, a previous client who had transferred to us from, again, another national firm, it had been done within two weeks. This one has dragged on 
and we still haven't made much progress. I feel that the the competent administrators who were the ones with the experience who were 55, 60, retired either post-COVID or during COVID, without passing on their knowledge, without wanting to be rude, the person we now seem to be dealing with, we almost have to tell them how to do their job. They are utterly, utterly hopeless. And in a regulated business, I find that hugely disappointing. And I think, Duncan, the point is that actually what you're mentioning is one case. It's not isolated. This happens you know, month in, month out. And where is the regulator in all this? Uh, it's remarkable to me how the, the bigger institutions still survive. I mean, some people have been with large institutions because their parents were and their grandparents were. But the incompetence which we are regularly seeing now, I want to be able to know where the business is, where it's administrated from, and the people who I can talk to if I have any questions. Um, and I don't want to have to give my inside leg measurement to be able to prove that I am who I say I am. We want to give a personal service where we get to know people and they have the confidence to be able to pick up the phone and speak to us. And yes, I'm allowed to go on holiday from time to time, but if I'm not here, one of my colleagues can help. And when my colleagues are on holiday, I help. It's not rocket science. And I just think the level of service which this industry offers is becoming more and more shabby. So we have discussed many, many topics in this short podcast, and I wouldn't want the listener to think that we are negative about everything, but there are obviously issues that are ongoing, not least the battle to control inflation, which, as you will have heard, we are rather cynical about how the Bank of England have behaved. Um, We look forward to being more positive about matters. There will be an election soon, so that'll be interesting as to the outcome of that. Next podcast, we're going to dig a little deeper into uh, how you change your current provider if you want to and why you should, and generally talk about the fact that if you are a, a little fish in a big pond, you're probably better off being a big fish in a smaller pond. This material shouldn't be considered as advice or an investment recommendation. You should consult an advisor regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority prior to making investment decisions. All investments carry a degree of risk. The value of any investment or income received from it can go up as well as down and you may not get back the amount invested. Information recorded within this podcast was accurate at the time of recording.